Hello, welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, wow, I guess like a 9.1 retrospective into some maybe discussion of what's coming up in 9.1.5. Yep. Uh, and yeah, but before we do that, we want to tell folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. Well, on this podcast, we like to talk about games. And one of the games that we've been playing, it's kind of weird, you know, like I feel like, wow has been a through line for me over the last like five years or so, right? Like we, we came back for Legion and I never really stopped, but you've been off and on, right? Yeah. Um, but at this point you like, we're almost at a year of you playing WoW, which is maybe a record, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's like nine months at this point. And, and frankly, it's because like, a lot of it's because of the social aspect. Like at this point, I'm like, after we do this, I need to log in and do my Corthia stuff to hit the renowned cap. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, I'm just doing right I'm so on my phone. I'm doing table missions because that's easy, and uh, I can farm stuff. But uh, other, <laughs> otherwise, I'm just uh, you know uh, logging into raid and to and to do the renown ups because that's uh, that's the only thing left for me, I guess. I mean, I could yep. I guess get on and like this part of me that's like maybe I should learn how to do mythics so I can get like better gear so I can do better in raid. But then it's like that would be effort, and yeah, like, and also most well, not most, but a lot of the best gear, right? Like I'm wearing heroic raid pieces in <laughs> mythics. Says don't in, do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like I'm wearing heroic raid pieces pieces in mythics because they are better, even though they're like lower item level by like thirteen eye levels, right? Uh, because they are they are better. So like the heroic raid this tier is much better for you than mythics. Are which is different from last year, which was mythics were basically always better than the heroic Nathria, unless like you were like maybe the one trinket off of Denathrius was like better or whatever else. Um, well, um uh, just from, from my perspective, part of that is like maybe there's some like gaps in my gear that I could fill in because, like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's the big benefit of mythics, right? There's so much gear in there yeah. that it's actually pretty good for filling out like weapons, right? Or rings are a huge one. Getting like properly statted rings is really easy in mythics, but it's very hard in raid just because there are less rings in the raid and more rings in, um, in mythics. But again, that's effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, you know, it just, it just feels bad when I open up like when I open up the raid logs and it's like you know, forty five percent by class, but like eighty seven percent by eye level, which I don't think is like, you know, I don't think that's. I, I think there's some like fuzzing there because like, you know, I, I, I my bet is that um, my my bet is that like there's less monks that are raiding at heroic that are as, that are like relatively low geared as I am so like mm -hmm. maybe maybe my numbers are being goosed a little bit but you know still I you know no no offense to anybody else in the raid but it's like depressing to be like you know one dps slot below somebody who's like parsing at 9% um <laughs> <laughs> uh, even, yeah. even, even though you know I'm I'm like playing my heart out but you know that stuff aside um, we're not. We're probably not going to touch on the raid too much, just because we plan on doing a full episode of that. Yeah, we plan on doing a full. We have not gotten AOTC Sylvanas, um, so we're going to do a full episode on you know. Uh, I was going to say Castle Nathria, uh, Sanctum of Domination. When we clear, you know, all the way through Heroic, when we're done with Heroic, right? Um, which is good because I have a lot to say about that raid. Um, but otherwise, you know, like 9.1 in general, right, is been out. We've seen all of the – we've basically seen all of the content in, like, the, the patch itself 
um, except for, you know, like incredibly tippy top stuff like mythic raiding or, you know, you and I don't PVP. I've done a, a couple of arenas and I am reliably informed that some stuff is stupid and broken, which has never happened in any PVP game I've ever played yeah, before. That there's a meta. You know doubly never happened? People complaining that stuff is stupid and broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We went up against this one team that was like arcane, it was like arcane mage priest and like rogue or something. And um, and as we were matching into this, I I didn't know what we, we were. We were just waiting for other people to get on to do mythics. It was like me and the healer and one of the other TPS for in my mythics team. And they were like, oh boy, we're in for it this time. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then they proceeded to tell me that this was the super meta comp and that we were going to get dumpstered, which by the way, we did. <laughs> Which I think probably had more to do with the fact that we're walking into PV, PvP with entirely PvE gear, right? But um, uh, but then there were times when we walked in and we just, like, completely flattened people. I think part of it is that, um, you know, at those low ranks, it's just like, it's like bronze, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything goes, basically. Yeah. But anyway, like I said, we're not, we're not PvP people. Um, obviously, I've been doing a lot of mythics. Uh, we've been doing a lot of raiding. We've cleared through Corthia. Had, do you, have you gotten, like, tier 6 with the Codex, the Archivist Codex and everything? I haven't gotten tier 6 yet just because that requires a lot of consistent dailies, and I just haven't. Yeah, it's like, that's like the big. That's like the big grind. Uh, I completed that like last week or so, which was actually pretty satisfying, to be honest. Um, I guess we could talk about all that stuff. So yeah, so we're going to talk about all that stuff, and then I guess preview some of the stuff that's coming up on the nine point one point five PTR. Right, the PTR has been up for a couple of weeks now. We have a pretty good sense of all the stuff that is coming and all of the really stupid, dumb controversies that have erupted in the incredibly reasonable outraged community of <laughs> World of Warcraft. All right, so would you, where, where do you want... So I guess one of the things to start with maybe is like just Corthia, since that was the big feature of 9.1, yeah. right? Or the big kind of like feature that we're talking about because the other big feature is obviously the raid. Um, what, do, what do you think of Corthia? What do you think of Corthia as, as it's been implemented? I think I really like Corthia, and it is maybe one of the best of these like a supplementary zone. zones. Yeah. Expansion zones that they've added. I was not like, I'm thinking, so <clears throat> in my, in my head, there are a couple of eras of wow. Right. You know, you have sort of the classic era, which is the first three expansions, BC and wrath. Um, then there's this middle era of cataclysm, Miss of Pandaria and, uh, warlords of Draenor. And then Legion to me sort of represents like a, a new world of Warcraft, right? Where a lot of the stuff that we kind of take for granted has been, uh, you know, like that every patch is going to have a new raid, that it's going to have this like zone or whatever else, right? Um, and in the grand history of patch zones that we've gotten, stuff like the Timeless Isle, the Isle of Thunder, I think I like Corthia in the very top end, right? Like it's maybe my favorite or my second favorite of all of these, just uh, for a couple of really small reasons. Um, number one is that the rares are interesting, which is way more important than I think I would have said if you were to have asked me, you know, six months ago, it's like, oh, what do you want? Do, you, do What do you want in a patch zone? I don't think I would have said, like, I want rares to have, like, weird spawning conditions. But I actually think that there's something really cool about the, the weird spawn conditions of the rares themselves. And it makes them a more engaging part of the of the whole Corthia experience compared to, um, I'm specifically thinking of, like, Mechagon and, like, Nazjatar, which had a lot of these rares that were just up 
They're just up all the time. And Corthia does have a few of those, but even those ones, it's like, you know, consumption will pop, but then you have to wait for him to get his his stacks, yeah, yeah. and then he transforms into a better version of himself or whatever, right? Um, or it's a rare that's in the phase, and you have to shift into the, the void or whatever the thing is called, right? Um, the rift in order to pull it out. Um, and I just think that those little, just like little puzzle, little mini game kind of things um, are just more interesting to me than the version that we got in in previous eras where it's just the rare pops it is it is up now and everyone is rushing to go kill it and it's going to be dead in 45 seconds so get there get there fast kind of thing yeah no i, I think i agree with that i i also enjoy corthia a bit um i uh like i think i agree with you in in kind of the broad strokes um, it's kind of been, this is my first time, like, really spending a lot of time with, like, all the other expansions, I've come in at the end, and everything's obviously super accelerated, so, like, um, there's not as much to, uh, to absorb, um, but, uh, yeah, I think that the, the rare thing is not a thing that, that sticks out to me as much, but, like, little things like the, um, um, they're not treasure goblins, but they kind of effectively act like them, like, the little, like, oh, the little relic the, gorgers or whatever yeah, they're yeah, called, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Little, like, um, the fact there's, like, a bunch of unique mounts that you can do a bunch of special stuff for, right? Like, there's, like, the bear that you feed the mushrooms to and the uh, the pony and uh, uh, and stuff like that. Oh, and then, like, each faction gets their own individual one, right? Like, a little bit annoying that I had to, like, grind, like, that drum thing for, like, a bunch of days. <laughs> but, you know, it worked. Um, it was fun. Um and, like, there's a lot of creativity, I feel like, in, in, in the zones, right? Like, um, especially at the very beginning, it was like, oh, I can go, like, do all these, like, specific relic hunts, which were which were fun. Um, yeah, I loved all of those. Like, these little one-time quests that were all around the, like, you know. And they are these random items that have, like, the singing bar of steel or silver or whatever it is right that you know it just wants it just wants you to like kill kill guys um or even like the little things like eventually you unlock those little swords they're those broken swords that make a little like jump puzzle and it's like super basic stuff and you only do it once but that's kind of enough right yeah, yeah. um just to kind of give Corthia a bit of uh i don't know just like a bit of like life to it something something like new to to walk into yeah, or like like there's that chest um, on like the south east side that like uses the mechanics from Torghast where you like find the three keys and they change every yep. day. Um, yeah, very annoying if you want to do it consistently, but doing it like once twice is like oh that's that's neat, that's a nice touch. And even um, doing it consistently, right? Like at this point, I've sort of memorized the oh, location. The like I could just yeah, do yeah. those. I could do that chest because I just know all of the places that the keys will spawn. And even that feels good, right? Like the for the first time when I'm like searching, when I'm like huh, where the fuck is this third key i know it's got to be around here somewhere right and you eventually find it like that feels good in a kind of just uh like i'm rewarded for doing the treasure hunt sense but now when i'm doing it it feels good because i have that experience right you feel that progression of getting better at something um you know like something that a game designer i think on wow once said is that players don't or i okay this is the thing that ian said he says that something that players really like about a game like wow is coming back to a place that was once hard or doing a thing that was once hard and now it is very easy right which is not something like that's kind of a unique experience that only a mostly a pve experience can give you right but that's not, like that's not something that you're going to get out of starcraft 2 ladder right or like league of legends ranked right nobody goes back to bronze 
to feel like, oh, because you're constantly pushing your limits and going higher and higher. But a big part of the WoW experience is actually doing things that were, you know, like I can solo a lot of the rares in Corthia right now. Like I could go solo Croak the Tormented, for instance, like the big beefy rare who, you know, you need like a whole. And like that guy would have killed me the first time I went there. And part of that feels good, I guess. I agree. I definitely um, agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially when you like, I feel like that's even particularly true for like, um, like the rares in the in the in the world, right? Like, uh, yep. Um, that you can just kind of like style. Like I I didn't do like um, uh, like then I don't know how it works for all the all the covers, but I assume it's something similar. Like there's like a spawn an extra group rare, um, yep. on on the conduits, and I hadn't killed one until I could solo it, and I could solo it. So you know, easy peasy lemon squeezy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, I feel like the rares have a lot to do with what I like about Corthia. I also vaguely like the dailies. My I I, I this is something that I think that make me want to like shoot someone and they fix something. <laughs> like, like that, that, critter, that critter biscuit one was like terrible and now it's slightly better. But yeah, they fixed it. They changed it. I see. I like those in theory, though yeah. some of them piss me off. The thing that I don't like is I I don't want every day to just be kill X things. Right? Like that's yeah, boring. Yeah. But I think I I think I want like the perfect version of this is four out of five of the dailies are that. And then one of them is the weird thing that I actually kind of have to it's like four out of five are easy. One of them is medium, right? Yeah. yeah. Um it's like the, you know, I don't know, like the jump puzzle one where you have to figure out where to go in the terrain to jump through the little the little orbs or whatever, which is like mildly, not even mildly, it's like barely skill intensive, but it is a little bit more kill intensive than just run into an area, pull everything you can, and kill, kill it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because on one end, I sort of want, you know, like when I'm doing these, when I'm doing these dailies, I'm watching a tv show i'm listening to a podcast you know what i mean like it is part of coming down winding down after a big day at work or whatever else right um and so filling the bar feels good for those but also you got you gotta have a little you gotta have a little, a little stimulus spice, in there yeah. <laughs> yeah a little spice um but yeah no i think i think i agree with that but like, like i said I have, I have some very specific issues with with a couple of them like again that like that critter one and i think there's another one that I'm what, what are what are some other like bad ones um off the top of my head, um, off the top of my head, I get like the, the critter one really, really bothered me for like because I got like like did two days in a row, which is kind of like because like you know if you didn't kill the thing that attacked fast enough, the critter would run away. Just like Jesus fucking Christ, shoot me! Um, well, yeah. So what would happen was it would respond to other people, so other people would run near the critter and it would run out. Oh, you know, which was I, just like a nightmare. I also have war mode on, so like people like. And, you know, it's still it's late <laughs> enough that it's, like, not a huge problem. But, like, there was one day yeah. where, like, I was trying to do that quest. People just, like, run over and, like, just not even, like, kill you, right? They just, like, fuck with you. And that would be enough time for, like, the critter to run away and not to get the, the completion. Uh... <laughs> that sounds awesome. That sounds like the trolliest thing. Oh, my God. That's funny, yeah, though. No, P P so, World PvP in Corthia actually is, like, super, super fun. Because it only happens once in a while at this point. But, like... Mm -hmm. Like, people will start, like, roll Like, it's bad if, like, it's just, like, you know, you and, like, like a, a, a roving horde of the opposite faction. But, like, you'll quickly ball up into the two factions. They'll just, like, like I had, like, a really cool epic fight over consumption. Like, get the kill and, like, kill, like fighting off the alliance. And consumption is really Oh, good. yeah. I didn't even think about that. Because most of the time... So, I war mode off almost all the time, right? So, um, 
when I'm doing consumption, a lot of the time I'm sort of like making friends on the opposite faction. It's like it's three in the morning. There's two people in Corthia. It's me and an Alliance warlock, and we have to solo like the super buffed consumption or whatever, right? And that's the moment where you're kind of like making, you know, you're making peace, not not Warcraft. Um, but I didn't think about the war mode version of that where, you know, me and the warlock would be he could fucking kill me, right? Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 pretty great because like I have I have you know, I occasionally have those moments, which is very rare in war mode obviously, but like um uh but like Consumption is particularly good for this, because or bad for this, depending on your perspective, because the spawn point is actually fairly close to consumption, so you can, like, run back your corpse relatively easily and get right back into it. Oh, um, sure, yeah. Um, so you get these, like, great battles where it's, like, you know, you know, it, the fight's not that hard, but for the fact that, like, you know, there's 15, you know, there's approximately the same <laughs> number of people in the opposite faction fighting you for it, and just trying to knock down the thing before you all get eliminated, because, you know, if you get the kill on it, you still, you can, you resume yourself and pick up the loot, so, um... That's that is super fun. Um, uh, in terms of other dailies that I don't like, like that um, that jump through things one, I also don't think is great. Like um, mostly because part of this is maybe I should be like moving that button places, but like it's a little just a little too finicky for me to like really think is good. But uh, oh yeah, so I have the, there, there's a there's a keybind for that button. Like you can it it has nothing by default, but you can find it in an. Somewhere, somewhere in the keybind section, you can bind that button. So I have that key bound to something, which is useful. Yeah, I, I can imagine that would make that would make sense for like because you have to do the second thing with it to like leap back. But um, I find, I find yeah, I mean, I never, I never end up doing that. I always just leap off and then fall to where I fall and then run back up on my mount or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and so that was not so much bad as it is kind of tedious. Um, sure, and not not like a you know a nice way, but like you know, I think I think I generally agree. Oh, and like. Like I find the um the the one where you like jump in the mech and fight the big thing to be very tedious. Um I don't think it's supposed to be. Um it's in, in Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that one is there or the way that one works is it supposed to be grouped up? I've done that one a couple of times with other people and it goes really quickly, right? Cuz it feels like you're supposed to tackle it as a group or something like that, but it's not a group quest. You can still solo yeah, it. Yeah. It just takes like 8 gazillion years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do think yeah, it's a nice I, touch that other players show up as like a different model. Um, mm -hmm. um, but. I, I have certain frustrations with some of the vehicle mechanics in like modern day WoW because I think we've kind of gotten to this point where you hop into a vehicle, it gives you three buttons. Eat one one button is a short cooldown, small damage. The next button is a medium cooldown, medium damage, and the third button is a long cooldown, long damage. I'm just like. Can I get a little variety, please? Yeah, or the third like, one is a, is, a, is a heal when you're low button. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's like a like a healed channel or whatever. Like the one I'm thinking about in uh, well, actually this one is good. But another one that that exists is in the maw for the Kyrian invasion, where you get into a thing and you have like a sniper button, you have like a machine gun button, and you have like a punch or whatever. That's a vehicle that feels really good because like I can do, you know what I mean? Like I can change up my tactic to do the thing I need to do. If I need to kill a bunch of little guys, I machine gun them all down. If I got to get one of those watch commander guys who's like posted on a platform somewhere, right? You snipe him and that feels good. Yeah, I agree. Um, Lou says that she hates uh, the supply truck one. Um, I, I feel that um, it's not my least favorite, but like I, I like, you know, um, there's, there's a couple like, Again, uh, there's, a, there's I think a handful that fall more into like the tedium camp, 
Um, and it's like, you know, sometimes that's just kind of like, God, I just want to be done with my Corthea dailies right now. And I need to mm-hmm. do this one to like fill the bar up. But, you know, I get that. Like, yeah. The only one that, that really, like I said, that really sticks out to me as being absolutely terrible is, is the fucking critter one. And that's even less bad now. But um, I think I think along with that, though, something that 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 they did well was like having enough little like besides like the rare, like the rares are part of this. But like, you know, the mushrooms the chests, the chests that aren't visible on the map that you can just kind of see, like the um, the, the the guys that are holding extra relics, right? Like, there's little things mm-hmm. that you can do along the way to kind of just, like, have like have fun, right? Like, with it. Um, I think this is, is a super cool thing to do, and it definitely held my attention for a while, right? It's just kind of like, oh, I can wander around Corthia and do stuff um, and not feel too... And I, part of that is, like... Um, uh, is the is the uh, the lore the, the the relic masters or whatever it is that that rep grind? Um, I do think like the last the last level in particular is a little too too long for like to be like super compelling, um, but um, and, and very early on I was like hardcore like running around trying to like get that number up because I wanted to like hit the next level, um, but you know. Um, yeah, but- it, that one is an interesting one because it simultaneously has like one of the more important things um that you need because it is the the way to upgrade all your conduits right right you can you can put in the thing you upgrade your conduits you can put in the thing you can get a um uh a jump slot right putting that after like the huge huge grind i feel like is a complicated time like on one hand I think you need that. You need to have something. You need to have some reason to do that grind right. or whatever, right? Um, but on the other one, that feels weirdly like mandatory, and I almost sort of feel like this is a problem of the feeling more than it's a problem like of the thing. You know, like we probably overestimate how much having upgraded conduits matters as players, right? Um, because I feel like w- the the appropriate design space for that is. Over the course of the patch, it is the fir- it is the longest goal you get, and it is a catch-up mechanic for this thing that you get in other places. So, for instance, you can get a 252 conduit out of the Mythic Raid, right? So, if you are only a heroic raider like you and I, this gives us an outlet to get max level con- conduits, and it gives us an outlet to get gem slots. But, like, generally speaking, we should be getting those conduits from doing high-level raid, or whatever else, right? Um, and I think as a catch-up mechanic, that kind of makes a certain amount of sense. Um, but when it, it is viewed as the primary way that you are going to upgrade your conduits, right? If you were to tell a person, the best way to upgrade your conduits from 226 to 252 is to get to tier 6 of, you know, Corthia, that feels incorrect to me as, like, a main way to do the thing, right? Um and I also sort of feel like those uh, upgrades are built to that they're 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 built to give a reason for someone to do the world content that otherwise wouldn't, which is good, right? You know, like I don't want the game to just be a raid log simulator, right? right? Like I want a good reason to go out into the world. I want a good reason to do world content like Corthia or these Maw Invasions or or sort of whatever else. Um, But like if that is a mandatory part of the process, that is less fun than if it is sort of an optional part of the process, right? Um, and my gut tells me that that stuff is probably not powerful enough to really matter. Um, 
my in general my mantra is that nothing matters when it comes to world of warcraft and we obsess over these like tiny percentages of like power upgrades or whatever but i also feel like you know most players don't view things in those terms and so they orient themselves in a really shitty way towards the game sometimes I, I think I agree with that. I, I would say I would come at it from the other direction. I think the primary problem with that level six isn't necessarily the power lock mining, because I think I'm with you in terms of like absolute matter. It's just like that last level feels like it takes so long to run up the pole. And like there's not a lot of stuff to like, like if I were spending my relic points in the meantime on something, I'd feel less bad about it, but I'm not, right? Just because there's like not, the only thing to, there's not a lot of consumables, or at least not a yep. lot of consumables that you're, you're grinding through. Um, and, the the pro I I think the big problem is is like the little bit of like extra hunting you're doing doesn't put enough of the dent of a dent in the in your progression I feel like to make it feel like it's worth it right like at the earlier levels it is like oh I can run around Corthia for half an hour and get like half a bar of rep out right and so that feels worthwhile whereas the last level just feels like it's like ah whatever I'll get to it yeah I, I almost it. sort of feel like the conduit thing should have been at like rank four or something mm -hmm. right and you should have just and like the because you still need the currency to buy the thing itself. Right. So what you end up is you're in this situation where you're doing dailies for currency that you won't be able to spend for weeks on end, right? right. Um, whereas in a version of events where, it, let's say it comes on rank four, and I got rank four really quickly. I got rank four maybe like a week or two after the patch, right? And then getting rank five and getting rank six was way, you know, like was way longer and, and took way longer. I sort of feel like then if the grind is actually picking up the currency to buy the thing, I would feel better about it than picking up yeah. rep to spend the thing I already have the currency for, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think maybe what they needed was like, um, can you buy like there's there's a lesser version of that upgrade one. What level? What, can you buy that? At oh the, yeah, the soul twinning cons, yeah. uh, construct or whatever. Yeah, I've picked. I don't them know up. if you can buy that. I like I've picked them up like from chests in Corthia. Like maybe putting like putting that in, or maybe putting an intermediate level between that one and like 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 maybe a 230 something level conduit that you could put there um that way you have something to like encourage people to grind at the top level for um but i guess you already yeah. have like the socket ones right like um and right now i'm just holding on to my relics because i got nothing to spend them on right like um uh, i'm i trust i'll eventually get there or not. yeah when i got there i just immediately spent all of my money and i got all of my relics uh or i got all of my um conduits to to max like immediately um I, that that isn't true for every single conduit because the there are off spec conduits obviously but for my main spec conduits i now have them all at 252 because of you know the the relics i got were like good enough um which is like a freeing feeling because it, it is also fun to be like done with the grind yeah. um you know, but I want to be able to go to Corthia if I want to, right? Or do a thing and still get a reward out of it, right? Like, I still do the the Maw Assaults or whatever. And partially that's just because the Maw Assaults, I just find those fun, right? Um, as this sort of bi-weekly thing that is kind of a big burst of, you know, like, useful currency because it gives you Corthite Crystals, it gives you... Uh, research, it gives you soul cinders, right? Um, but at the same time, it uh, I don't want that to be, like, useless once the grind, grind is over. So, like, right. every... Maybe I'll get two of them this week that are just, like, a thing that I can use to upgrade to the next conduit or whatever. Yeah, that's fair. Um, 
what else? Uh, uh, maybe maybe that's actually a good jumping off point. Like, I have something. How, how did you feel about professions? Um, I will say, like, for my for my perspective, like, engineering got like jack squat. Like, for a hot second, <laughs> for a hot second, I used the improved crafter's mark for my helmet. But then, like, there's a domination stack that I need to that I need to prioritize, right? Um, and I don't have any use for the Quartzite crystals other than like putting them on the market as I watch their value slowly go down. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I love professions, but part of that is because like I've invested very hard in professions. Like I, I'm probably a different sort of player because I had a lot of gold to begin with. And I just generally like making, you know, like making gold. I obviously bought the Brutosaur last expansion. Right. Um, and part of that is just like a willingness to engage in professions on a grindy farmable level that other folks don't, uh, necessarily have, but because I walked into 9.1 with maxed out legendary recipes, I was in this unique position where all of my, uh, Quartite crystals were really valuable because I could turn that into a legendary and then sell that legendary for like 400,000 gold, right? Um, you know, like I'm at five, I'm like at 5.3, 5.4 million gold at this point. Um, and so I've really enjoyed it, especially just on the lines of for the last couple of expansions, I've played a blacksmith and a blacksmith is not a fun gold making profession, right? If you want to make gold, you go alchemist, you go enchanter, right? You don't go, you don't go blacksmith. So having something where I as a blacksmith can put on a very high value item on the auction house and have people regularly buy it, that feels really great. Anytime I sell legendary, I feel like a million bucks, right? Um, but at the same time, I think that that I'm like that's a deep minority kind of player, right? Because I had the kind of gold where I could just burn hundreds of thousands of gold to millions. Honestly, it took me nine million gold to max out all of my legendary recipes. Actually, so you know I, that was fun. I, I, say, I enjoyed that, but <laughs> I don't sounds, think many other players do. It's kind of like a long term thing, right? The, the thing, the thing that like I like you know aggravates me from my perspective is like. I don't even have like a long-term goal to work. I, I it's engineering, right? At some level, like I know that's the case. Usually, we do get. Usually, we get like a mount that, like you know, it's like over the course of the expansion, you find all the materials and put put something to put it together. Um, yeah. Um, like I said, even our slot is like you know you have to have the domination slot. So like, it's not even like you can like ride that helmet for a little while. Um, but you know, uh, I I'm, I don't I understand that engineering is like. A, a dumb thing off in its own corner so but like you know it's 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 fine um i do i do do cooking sometimes and like sell off like extra like feasts and whatever which is is a nice bit of money but you know um so outside of corthia uh what do you think about like the like we talked a little bit about like the changes to like the the dj scenario the maw um uh, with uh, with the invasions, uh, what, how do you feel about yeah. the rest of the world, like the Mon? How do I feel about the rest of the world? I think there is a bit of a problem in. I feel like one of the things that is tough about Corthia is that it took away all of the focus from the rest of the Shadowlands, which is not something that I experienced when it came to Legion or when it came to BFA, where I was doing my emissaries pretty regularly along both of those expansions, mostly because those had really useful rewards that, you know, like they, they gave gear relatively often. They gave gear that went all the way up to normal raid gear really quickly. So 
I felt like I was getting upgrades out of those for the first couple of weeks, which was not true in, in Shadowlands, where the callings give gold every time. Basically, that's it. Um, there were also the Azerite power ones, right? The Azerite power ones were really useful. Uh, Lou asked in the chat, you don't enjoy your daily cash drop. I do, to a certain extent, enjoy my daily cash drop. But it feels kind of like a drop in the bucket a little bit when I'm making the kind of money that I'm making. It's like 2,000 gold. That's like pocket change, you know? Um, which is maybe like a very specific problem to being a person who farms, you know, enough items to just be like making a hundred thousand gold on a on a legendary yet at what can a feast what can a feast cost fifty thousand gold <laughs> yeah I mean, it's kind of like that i mean there's it's funny because like there's sometimes when we're doing like mythics or whatever and i like run out of health pots or something right <laughs> and i'll be like oh hold on one second i just need to buy some health pots and i'll log i get on my brutosaur i'll buy 80 health pots or whatever and um my healer he'll be like why did you do that i could have sent you Health pots, you know, I could have just like gone on my alchemist and sent you some health pots. And I'm just like, honestly, the minute and a half it would take you to switch over, make 20 health pots, send them to send them to yourself and then trade them to me is let is worth less of my time than the 400 gold. You know what I mean? Like it just like I would much rather have that whole interaction be done in five fucking seconds than waste a minute and a half of my life on this. Well, right? Well, you know, Jeffrey bezos of world of warcraft so yeah i mean and, you know, and it happens and i'm using health pots as like a certain example but it happens with everything i do this with i do this with like flasks all the time right but like flasks are maybe to buy a sack of 20 that's maybe twenty thousand gold right which i think a lot of people would balk at they'd be like twenty thousand gold it's just like 20 but like to me twenty thousand gold is one fifth of the of a legendary that probably sells for about a hundred thousand, you know, which like the legendary don't sell that often, and they require a lot of upkeep, right? One of the things that I'm constantly doing is I'm canceling all my auctions and then relisting them, right? Because people undercut you, and most people just aren't buying, you know, like a legendary is kind of like a one time purchase. Um, so, uh, but so yeah, so I guess you know that's kind Let of me, I, my. I'm interested to see how, like, if you directed like this energy that you put into like the WoW legendary market into like the real stock market to see how you do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the funny thing, the WoW legendary market is nice because I can just log on and do it in a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, it's lunch. I'm I'm whatever. I I'm gonna put on a you know, 20 minutes of a Hearthstone video, right? And I'll just log on to WoW, I'll do my dailies, and I'll churn my, my auctions real quick, right? Turn them around. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that has sort of affected my my view. Like, I just don't do the callings anymore. And and I really used to like doing emissaries uh, and, like, world quests. Like, part, part of it was the world quests were pretty varied in Legion and BFA. It didn't feel like I was doing the same thing over and over again. Even if I was legitimately doing that, right? Like, they were varied enough week to week, day to day, that I was probably seeing a world quest once every two weeks or so, which felt fine. Like, that's a pretty good... You know, like, that's a pretty good rotation for, like, a world quest. But the Shadowlands world quests are much more pervasive than that. It feels like there are far fewer of them, and therefore I am doing the same world quest over and over again quicker and quicker, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I think part and, of the... I was going to say, I think part of the problem there is that the, like, the anima just isn't valuable anymore. Like, even, like... I know I've got some stuff I need to buy, but like it's I'm gated by grateful offerings or whatever, which yep. is like a very small subset of things I can do. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, Grateful Offerings might actually, like, revitalize my interest in doing all this shit. Just because uh, in 9.1.5, Grateful Offerings drop out of calling chests. Right. So the the impetus to go do a calling is a lot higher because that currency isn't isn't as gated as it you know like as it was before i also like went really hard on this stuff in 9.0 right where i was like i was i was doing i was basically logging on every night and i was doing a circuit and killing every and doing every animal world quest every day because i was really going hard for my like the anima armor set or whatever uh, which required a ton of grinding. And to a certain extent, that's fun, right? It was, it's a fun, just dumb grind doing that hardcore grind or whatever. Um, but I, but it meant that when I walked into 9.1, I feel like a lot of other people had things that they could buy with their anima that I was just like, oh, yeah, I have that already. It's like... I mean, I didn't, I didn't go nearly as hard as you, but I feel like I hit that cap like pretty... I think, I think part of it is like, at least I expected to get like some more things to do with my anima. In 9.1, yep. I really didn't get a lot, right? Plus, plus, Corthia dropped so much of it, right? Like, um, maybe that's the fundamental mismatch. Because, like, even even the 1,000 anima a week weekly is just kind of trivial at this point. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, almost all of my anima just goes towards Corthite crystals at this point. So, I just oh, buy, buy a set of Corthite crystals. Yeah, I just buy, you know, it's like 25k to get five Corthite crystals. Which is honestly, like, maybe not even, like, worth it super. But it's just, like, it... It's just like a way that I offload anima. I have been saving it more and more. Like this was a bigger problem when the cap was thirty five. Now it's a hundred k, two hundred k maybe. So I'm probably just gonna sit on it because why not, right? Um, but I feel like uh, anima has definitely like decreased a lot in value. You know, over the course of over the course of like nine point one. I also I also just like wish there was more stuff to spend it on, right? Like uh, a version. I think I, I made a Reddit comment to, along this line, like a version of nine point one that includes a chest, right? Let's say you could buy a chest for ten thousand anima from a broker or whatever, and you pop open the chest and it reads your appearances and it says, "Here's an appearance you don't have." Bing. Here's the item for that mm. appearance, right? I would be doing anima all the time for that, right? Like, just as this, like, an incredibly dumb sink of anima into the thing. Just because, like, an appearance, that's a valuable commodity to me, right? And there's a lot of them in the game that I don't have because they're just, like, esoteric. Oh, yeah. you know, where it's, like, you got to do some some quest on Tenaris, you know, that's a pain that I've just never done. Or whatever else kind of thing, right? Like, um, do, do you farm appearances off the auction house? No, I could. I have long thought about it because at this point I'm holding all of this money and I have nothing to, to I was, I was spend gonna say, it on. Because I do, right? Like I don't, I don't spend over like. Oh, a certain, really? I don't spend over a certain amount, but like I'll like, you know, because they've got the nice filters for it now. I'll like click it on and I'll like buy every. Basically, at this point, I'm buying every. I buy everything that's under 250 gold in in the categories that I can. Um, that's so interesting. I haven't even thought about doing that, but actually, that's a kind of great idea. All right. So you know, I probably shouldn't have said that because now now they're all going to be gone. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that's fair, although I you guess. can afford the more expensive ones, right? Like occasionally, I'll like look through and like like. Yeah, there is a there's a rhino mount on our auction house that's Ooh. been on there for the better part of a year, for two and a half million gold, and I was like. Maybe I should get the fucking Rhino Mount, you know? The Rhino Mount is an old TCG, you know, like the the WoW oh, yeah, trading card yeah. game used to have, uh, like, mounts and stuff, and the Rhino Mount is one of them, and obviously that card game has been discontinued, you can't get the mounts anymore. Um, but there's, like, a real part of me that wants to... 
there's a real part of me that wants to go get that mount just like as a way to spend this dumb amount of money that I have. It was easier with the Brutosaur because the Brutosaur, I was really looking forward to it. You know, yeah, yeah. like it was this thing that I, w it was a thing that was a lot of money that I wanted. Right? Like it's unique yeah. functionality. Um, I also I also could theoretically burn all of this into like Hearthstone packs. This is what I did before when I was making a lot of money in Legion. That's when I bought Destiny Two with WoW Fun Bucks, and I bought a lot of Hearthstone cards with WoW Fun Bucks. Where basically every time I made two hundred and fifty k, I would put a token on the auction house, um, and uh, and get fifteen dollars of Battle.net balance or whatever you know like whatever the thing was. Um, and the Brutosaur trained me out of that because the Brutosaur was like, oh, big amounts of gold are valuable for this reason, right? Um, so I've just been hoarding it, but I've, I'm hoarding it for no reason. There's nothing, there's nothing big to buy like that anymore. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. But, yeah. Uh, <sighs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, I've, so that's sort of my thing with, uh, with the other zones. I also feel like the disconnected nature of something isn't – isn't what I'm really looking for in WoW zones. Um, I like each of the zones individually, and I think that they're fun and interesting, but the feeling of getting on the flight path or whatever to, like, zoop from Oribos to Maldraxxus is just, like, less fun than flying over Zandalar or the Broken Isles was to get to, like, these individual world quests. Yeah. Um, so that's, like, a pretty basic... This is, it's like a pretty basic criticism that I have. This is a thing that I actually think that, that works in favor for um, for engineers, which is uh, the wormhole generator is actually great. You like pop it, <laughs> and you can like just pop between the four zones, right? Like, um, yep, yep. I know engineers who have that exact functionality, and I am Thor sort of jealous, like not jealous enough, enough to, to actually make yeah, a change. Yeah, but medium jealous, right? Yeah. You know, as that's a cool thing that I would yeah. have enjoyed. It's on a fifteen minute um, cooldown too. It's great. Um, yeah, wow, that's tiny, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, most of them put you in obnoxious places. Like, the Maldraxxus one is good. Um, but, like, like, because it puts you, like, on, like, a mountain to the northwest of, of the of the arena. Um, this okay. is because, like, Maldraxxus is a very, like, spoken hub type design. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, Revendreth, it puts you in, like, the southwestern corner. And uh, Bastion puts you all the way in the south. And I, th I think... My hot take is that Bastion doesn't have enough flight pass, but like it doesn't matter now because we've got flying. But, um, uh, but yeah. And then I, uh, I think, I think, um, what's the other one? What's the last one? Arden Wheel. Arden Wheel puts you in a decently central place, but I don't use it that much because I have my my Hearthstone set to Arden Wheel. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, part of me wants to like go deeper into you know like the individual like covenants or whatever, right? Like I have alts in some of these covenants, and I've done like the 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 abomination factory, for instance. But I'm just like not super interested in farming content that is not on Bairn, which is a weird feeling for me. Like normally I'm very alty, right? And, like I'm a an altaholic when it comes to this stuff, but for some reason I just haven't really been able to like get into doing. Uh, some of these other grinds on other covenants for, you know, whatever reason. But that's another 9.1.5 thing, because theoretically you'll, I'll be able to send Anima from Bairn to my alts in a reasonable way. They'll probably tax it a little bit, right? That's normally what happens, right? You spend 500 to get 400 or something like that. And you can switch covenants easily as well, which will be interesting. Yeah. So theoretically, I'll like farm farm things on Bairn. I feel like that's the big headline, right? Like when it comes to 9.1.5, there's two headlines. Number one, you can switch covenants at Renown 80. Number two, 
Legion time walking, right? Yeah. Um, how do you how do you feel about those as sort of headlining this you know medium patch? Uh, hmm. So the covenant switching is interesting in that like if I can do it easily, I might put some time into it. But like I can't imagine raiding in anything but like night fey because like that's what I'm optimized for, and I know all those conduits, and I know like I you know I love the feline stomp, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, so like if there's any sort of limit on that at all, we're still raiding. I'm not gonna want to do it because I'm gonna want to raid as night fey. Um, uh, but the Legion time walking, the Legion time walking is interesting to me just because like Legion was the last time I see ser- Like I really seriously played, like I didn't stick along around long for BFA. So like, sure. Jumping back to Legion is like, Oh, I'm going back to the thing. Although I never did really did the mage towers. I did the mage towers enough to get, um, the rogue appearance and the, uh, cause I was playing my, my alliance. Yeah. So they're bringing the mage tower back, which I think is. Nuts. And there's a huge debate in the community about this, which I, <laughs> I said, I think on Reddit or on Twitter or something, I was like, it's weird to have no opinion on this, right? Like, people are really mad that they're bringing the Mage Tower back, but you can't re-earn the appearances, right? But at the time, they said the appearances are locked, right? right. Um, the uh, uh, the appearances being locked is like a is like a big contention, contentious point because there's a bunch of people who are like, Unlock everything. Nothing should be gated behind this stuff, right? They call it FOMO gameplay, right? Where it's like you have to do the thing before a certain time right. or else you get the FOMO. And so that's, uh, it, you know, it's honestly talked about in the same way that people talk about like gambling with like loot box mechanics, right? Like it's almost like this weird sort of psychological appeal or whatever, which I find a little bit strange. And then on the other side, there are the, you know, like the people who are like, this is a real achievement of mine that I worked hard for under a certain set of circumstances. Anyone else could have worked as hard as I did, but they didn't, and they should not get it, you know, under the very fair circumstances of this, these parameters, right? If you wanted the appearance, you should have paid attention and done the thing. Otherwise, tough kind of thing um which i don't agree with either of those takes i think kind of both of those are are sort of like wrong but i also don't really have my own opinion i just kind of don't i don't really care that much right like i got all of the appearances that i wanted and um and i don't really mind that there are appearances in the game that i don't have access to right famously the miss pandaria challenge mode and the warlords of draenor challenge mode appearances are just not available right like i had to have been playing during those times doing challenge mode dungeons in order to get those appearances and i didn't so rest in pepperonis yeah i mean i i think i'm of like two minds about this at one point i think like you know if it's been five years or whatever i think like that's enough exclusivity for it to like be meaningful um, but I, I actually think the right solution to this is like make them avail like like leave certain colors exclusive and then like let like you know like because I think that base shape is like something different right like I would not be mad if like you could get like the base shape of, of those things um, but with like yeah elect- this is what they're doing with the bear right so the yeah. the bear is getting a new appearance because that legion bear form is unique. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm generally okay with, like, the idea of, like, doing these for recolors, especially because I think it would just be a fun thing to grind out again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think something that was true for the Mage Tower originally was it was a really huge impulse for a lot of players to play stuff that wasn't their main, right? You know, like, obviously I was going to get the Mage Tower stuff on Baron, he's my main, right? But now all of a sudden I'm, I'm leveling a Rogue, I'm leveling a Druid, I'm leveling a Mage, because I want these these particular challenge mode or mage tower appearances on 
those classes. So a version of things where I'm doing that again, I think, is actually pretty neat. I think I agree. Um, yeah, I, again, recolors for for like a different recolor. I think I think makes a lot of sense, right? Like I, like to your point, the only reason I, I played my alliance tune as hard as I did was because I wanted that rapier appearance, um, and I got it. So you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean they they are doing the armor, which is nice. Um, the the tomb of Sargeras recolors, which I really I, I first of all I really like those um, uh, armor sets in general, and I sort of want this sort of thing to be to like come back. I like the idea of coming back to some of these old armor sets and making new versions of them. You know, for for time walking. My dream has always been that I want there to be time walking like leveling goals, right? Where if you level a character in the expansion. Kind of like a, like to me this this feels like a seasonal Diablo character right where it's a character you can't interact with anything anything else right but you level it in the expansion up to max you uh, you're in Pandaria you level all the way to max you get all the lore master achievements you know maybe you do some other stuff that's you know like end game story quest content or whatever right so I guess you would have to do like the Isle of Thunder stuff story campaign you'd have to do um you know maybe some of the 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 stuff surrounding garrosh and uh in the veil of eternal blossoms or whatever um and doing that would get you a, this cosmetic reward maybe get you you know like a recolor of a raid set i would absolutely go apeshit for that sort of thing and i feel like it is the kind of thing i feel like it's the sort of thing that would revitalize um leveling as content in the way that uh mythic plus revitalized sort of dungeons as content yeah that makes i i absolutely agree with that speaking of mythic plus how do you feel about like the mythic plus aspect of legion like the like oh the legion mythic plus is very spicy my understanding and uh and this is like this is far out reports people don't think it's going to matter that much most of the best gear is still going to come from shadowlands and legion mythic plus is going to be a fun alternative to Shadowlands Dungeons every once in a while. Um, I think the danger with Legion Mythic Plus is you get to this point where you are you're, you have a, you have a trinket and it's this and it's this best in slot amazing you know trinket and then Legion Time Walking comes up and now I need to run Black Recold. 200 gazillion times until the trinket drops and I get it and I can upgrade it with Valor and now it's my best trinket or whatever. I think that's a pretty frustrating state of affairs and I don't love that. Um, but, uh, but my understanding is that all of those things have kind of been nerfed a little bit. Sort of like stealth nerfed where it's like at, in Legion this thing was better than it is in Shadowlands just because the tuning is maybe like 10%, you know, kind of like cut down or whatever so that most bad Shadowlands trinkets will be better than the good Legion trinkets. And I think that's perfect, right? You know, if I if I need stopgap stuff, right? Like if I'm sitting on a piece of gear that's not quite right, but like not quite best in slot. Oh, cool. Here's a holdover thing. I got it from Legion Time Walking. I'm going to upgrade it a little bit, but it's not my best in slot, right? Um, but I think any version of things where like a best in slot thing is hidden behind one week of Legion Time Walking once every four months would be – people would be – first of all, people would be angry about that. Yeah. And second of all, I think that would just be like, like frustrating. Um, that said, I do wish it was around for longer. I think my thing with time walking is at this point, I just want there always to be time walking up. Um, I feel like the correct way to do time walking, like if it was up to me, I would just say, okay, it's time walking Burning Crusade week. So it switches to time walking Burning Crusade. There's the thing, the weekly event to get the chest, right? And if you do it, you, you still get your chest, you get your 226 gear. That week is over, fine. 
passes on to the next week. Maybe the next week is like World Quest or whatever. But the but the Burning Crusade time walking stays up. So if you want to do anything Burning Crusade time walking related, you still can. There's no there's no incentive for it. It's just it's just there in the background. Um, and then after two or three weeks, whenever the next time walking comes up in the weekly rotation, it swaps. Wrath of the Lich King time walking, you can do your thing for the chest. That sticks around for two or three weeks. Cataclysm time walking sticks around for two or three weeks. Whatever, whatever that schedule is like. I don't yeah. know what the schedule is, right? Um, and that would still make it so that Legion time walking is still only up once every couple of months. You know, like like once every four months, I think, is the rotation, right? I think it's 12 weeks, right? But I think it would be better if it was up for three weeks out of 12 weeks than if it was up for one week out of 12 weeks, if that makes sense. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, I also think it's very cool that they made their own affix for this called the Infernal Affix, which I don't know what it does yet. I haven't looked that deeply into it. Um, but I just I, I love the idea that um, that especially as an evergreen thing. Um, one of the things that was interesting about Legion is that it didn't have a seasonal affix, right? Um, but my hope is that when in 10.2, 10.1.5 or whatever, when Battle for Azeroth time walking comes around, my hope is that they bring back either Awakened or Reaping, which were the two most popular affixes from that expansion, and they add, you know, BFA time walking with that affix. I think that that's, a, that's an amazing system. And I, and I think this is something that will scale better into the future, right? Like, as we add more time walking dungeons and everything like that, um, we'll get into a position where now it is... Mythic Plus is always for the expansion that you have, but it also includes a time walking expansion most of the time. Mm. that makes sense yeah that would be cool that would be cool um, i i sort of fear the idea people talk about going back and doing this for some of the older expansions i think you could maybe get away with it with warlords and mists of pandaria just because those had challenge modes right, right. which were also timed like mythic plus it just didn't do the scaling up and up and up thing um and i sort of wonder if you could make those work for challenge modes um but i fear a version of things where they're like oh here's type Time walking, classic, Utgard, Utgard keep. You know, like I think that would suck. <laughs> time walking dead mines go. Um. Yeah, I mean, I you know honestly, like I I've always thought that there should be time walking like classic. Like I, yeah. it feels weird that time walking starts with burning crusade. And at the time, the uh, the explanation for that was that when you're leveling, you spend a ton of time at classic, right? Your first 60 levels, you spend right. a lot of time there, right? But that's no longer true, right? You know, um, because leveling is now parallelized rather than sequential. So um, I sort of wonder if there might be like time walking classic in the, in the works. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, I mean, especially because there's so much support for classic, right? Like given, given that classic yeah. exists. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, part of it is also the dungeon philosophy changed so much just even between yeah. Classic and, and Blackrock, and I'm sorry, uh, Burning Crusade. Um, comparatively, right? Like, imagine a world where you get time walking, like, Blackrock depths. I would love that. I think that sounds super fun, but I don't know. Maybe you could turn it into a mega dungeon. My, my hope for Legion time walking that did not come to pass was that they would bring back the Karazhan mega dungeon as a level appropriate mega dungeon they would give you like 226 gear which is like the mega dungeon right now or whatever i think that would be super fun because honestly the mega dungeons are great all of them and i just feel like they are perfect content that i would love to see you know on a more regular basis yeah i still haven't done the uh the the 9.1 mega dungeon uh, just because like 
I hadn't bothered to find anybody to do it with, and like it's got to have a group for it. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, it, it gets the the mega dungeons always get more relevant when they enter the mythic plus rotation. And normally, what happens is they spend a patch as regular dungeons, then they move into you know it, they they divide the first half, top half, bottom half, um, upper you know like it was upper and lower Karazhan, it was uh, upper and lower Mechagon. Um, and I imagine the exact same thing is going to happen with Tazavesh and we'll be in this world of yeah, doing, doing mythic plus Tazavesh in 9.2. Makes sense. Um, real quick, which you will still not see cause you never do mythic plus. No. <laughs> uh, b- before we run out of time, um, Torghast sure. is, I think the last bit is the last big thing. Oh yeah. I think Tor- the Torghast changes have been great. I have I loved doing Torghast every single week that I've, I, it's always engaging because the, the torments are a little weird, right? Like, but they make me think about it in a, uh, in a more complicated sense. And then I like the box of many things, which I've now maxed out at this point. Okay. Cause I guess, you know, when you just do it week over week at this point, um, I have one more to get and I'll have the full mega achievement, the meta achievement where you get flawless in all six wings and you get a mount out, the, out of that. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, I, I haven't. Which I think I can get this week. I haven't done my Torghast yet this week. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been keeping super up on Torghast, but like I've been enjoying it. Monk continues to be like eminently soluble for everything. So that's super fun. Um, yeah. No, I've been like, it's, I think, I think it's a good mode. Um, uh, you know. Uh, if I were more inclined to just play WoW, I think I'd be playing more Torghast. I just, you know, went on and did other things. But I do like the changes. I like that, like, not like the, like you said, like the torments are interesting. Some of them I think are like, some of them I find more annoying than others. But like, you know, that's kind of like they rotate like daily, basically. Um, if yeah. you want to change out the torments you're getting, so that's fine. Um, yeah, no, I don't think I've got much other to say. But I think it's, I think they did a good job with them, right? Like. Very compelling. I'm a little sad that the old Torghast didn't work out. I feel like at the end of the day, it was sort of a failed experiment, but I just don't think that you can really do an untimed version of the game anymore because it just makes everything so binary, right? Yeah, yeah. You get to this point where every fight, it's sort of, it's the same sort of thing. I was telling a friend of mine, uh, who, has Charles Powell been on this cast? Uh, My friend Charles Powell, uh, who may or may not be a friend of, he's friend of the cast. definitely questions. Uh, he's definitely written in questions. That's true. So friend of the cast, Charles Powell, we were talking about Pathfinder because he's playing Pathfinder Kingmaker. I'm playing Pathfinder Kingmaker and he's never played Pathfinder, the tabletop RPG. Right. And he was explaining how he approaches most problems in Pathfinder Kingmaker, which is he has one person that can cast haste and a bunch of essentially auto attackers, full attackers. Right. And he just starts every fight by casting haste. And full attacking. Every single fight, basically. And so Sounds like Pathfinder. Sounds like a very yeah, representative... <laughs> <laughs> and he said, and like, if there's ever a situation where he can't just auto-attack something down, he's, like, super fucked. And he says he never uses spells on anything but haste, basically. On anything but buffs for his auto-attackers, which, you know, fair enough. And I explained to him the way that I play Pathfinder Kingmaker, which is the very traditional tried and true method of the 10 minute adventuring day, which is I enter into a map, I buff up my whole party with all of this, you know, displacement one minute per level, right? Um, You know, bless one minute per level, um, bull strength or, uh, you know, bears endurance, cat's grace, right? Like all of those one minute per level buffs, uh, hurricane bow, leaden blades, right? And when those buffs fall off, okay, go to, go to sleep. <laughs> time, time to rest, right? So every adventuring day for my party lasts about 10 minutes, right? 
And that's kind of the problem with the original version of Torghast when it's where it's not timed, right? If there's no time pressure, all Torghast becomes is a binary pass fail of can I kill this thing with all of my cooldowns up? If yes, you succeed. If no, nothing. You know, and so the clever thing that I think happened with this version of Torghast is they added, they basically removed that layer of even any difficulty at all and basically said, you know what? If you enter Torghast, you're getting some fucking soul cinders. That boss is not going to lose any health. You can just run your head into it over and over and over again as many times as you want, right? Um, but the additional rewards of doing the flawless runs, getting deeper, getting those better cosmetics, saving the, saving the phantasma so that you can buy the gold cosmetics, which I think is extra clever because it, it's sort of this extra handicap on top of that, because you know, you can't actually spend phantasma on anima powers on the two mid-level guys, because you need that phantasma most of the time in order to get it on the max level floor. Um, drops a bunch of anima. It drops the, uh, the conduit shard or the uh, socket shard, which is like useful and just stratifying out the success failure of any individual Torghast run makes it just like so much more engaging and valuable. Um, so a lot of folks have, have maligned the fact that Torghast has kind of become another version of mystic mythic plus that has this overarching time pressure where you're constantly like doing a thing or whatever. But I think that's just a necessary part of the yeah, gameplay, yeah. you know, at this point, right? Like the game design, is just sort of like too far forward. Um, to account for anything else along those sorts of lines. I think I agree. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, do we have anything else we want to talk about about WoW before we uh, put into our weeks? You know, I'm sure we'll be talking more about 9.1.5, especially when it comes yeah, yeah. out. So we can we can punt it, punt away. What have you been up to this week? What what's what's been on your mind? All right, so I did two two kind of big things this week. The first one was I played a bunch of the Halo Infinite uh, technical multiplayer preview, um, which was a lot of fun. It felt like Halo. Um, I was playing on PC, so obviously not totally like it. Um, not a super huge fan of some of the weapons, and I don't understand how some of the equipment works. But mostly, if, if I was, it felt like you know, it felt like I was back in high school or middle school even at this point. You know, just, like, shooting some baddies, sticking some people with some plasma grenades, um, and, you know, getting kills or getting killed. Um, not a huge fan of kind of, like, the default weapon, which is uh, this is assault rifle um, type thing. But, you know, uh, it is what it is. I do find myself missing the kind of COD-style loadout so that I could, like... Um, so, so I was actually thinking about this. One, one of the things that loadout... Like, loadouts make, like, you know, rare weapons harder to do, although I think you could do a version of it. It's just that... Um, with a loadout style, you can get good with a weapon by just having enough time to practice with it. Whereas, like, you know, my time to practice with, say, the, the battle rifle is whenever I can find it on the map, and I don't know the maps well enough to, to get them. Um, and then if I get killed, I don't, I don't have it anymore, right? So um, I guess I could spend some time in, uh, in training mode, which they have a training mode, but, like, I'm not... I don't care enough about this to, like, spend, like, hard, like, lab hours like I do with, say, like, you know, Guilty Gear or whatever, so... Uh, you know, um, but you know, it was fun. It was, it was Halo. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I've got Xbox Game Pass, so I will have it when it comes out. I might even check out the cam the, the campaign. So, um, not a huge fan of kind of like the, like it, it did the cos it did the battle pass thing. It did the cosmetics thing. Um, and I liked it better. Like, like the, the colorations are like consumable, not consumables. Um, but like, they're like you, you earn colorations and you can apply them, which is not a thing I like. I liked it much better when you could like do that all custom out. Um, 
Uh, and I'm, I'm, I think that's a shame that that's fallen to kind of like the, the battle pass model, but, uh, I don't know. Otherwise it's, it's, it's a perfectly, like, I, I think like the different armor shapes or whatever, the different visor shapes could be fine as battle pass elements by which like the colorations, I, I haven't seen any decals yet. Um, some interesting things is that you could put prosthetics on your Spartan, which, um, is a very interesting design choice. Um, I guess I guess like it's, it's cool. Um, and uh, it's it's just not something I expected to see. Like I gave my Spartan a prosthetic right arm just because why not, right? Like, I've, I always like that in sci- sci-fi. You know, like I think that that's just like a cool detail of yeah. any sci-fi universe, right? Like some people have prosthetics, some people like don't. But it always feels very. Um, I want to say like Star Wars, right? Like so, like very like dirty in a rather than slick. Right. Yeah. Whereas, so for instance, it's uh, a good example of this. Starcraft has characters with prosthetics, right? Um, you know, Swan has a has a prosthetic arm or whatever else. Or you get a guy um, whose name I don't remember, but he's like the general that you fight with on Char at the end of Starcraft Two. He gets a big prosthetic arm or whatever, and that feels true to form for that sort of universe, right? Because it's it's very gritty and grimy and dirty, and people are doing things like losing arms. But Mass Effect doesn't have any prosthetics that I can think of off the top of my head. Maybe maybe there are some somewhere, right? Um, which I think makes sense because Mass Effect is a much more sleek universe compared to, uh, compared to something like Starcraft, something like Star Wars, where prosthetics are kind of like all over the place. And I, I always sort of felt like, uh, Halo was more sleek than it was grimy in that sort of, uh, like, I don't know. Yeah. the, The prosthetics definitely fit in pretty well with like the aesthetic, right? Like, um, they're like. They're clearly prosthetics, but they're like, you know, they, and you can, you actually, the arm ones have like, you can get like a prosthetic from the shoulder or from the elbow or all the, just the hand. Um, but like, they, they feel like they're part of like the Spartan armor. Um, in, okay. In a good way. That's so, cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I'm just some like neat, very neat stuff there. Um, but, uh, I don't know that comes out this winter. I, I'll play it. Like I said, it's coming. Uh, the other I, people hated Halo five, right? Yeah. Like my understanding is Halo four was well, it was okay, you know, like nobody was mad about Halo Four, but people really hated Halo Five. Yeah, I think so. I, my understanding there was there were a couple things. One is like it did kind of like the new Coke thing in that like it tried to codify itself too much, and that's like Call of Dutyify itself too much. Okay, um, like yeah. doing these layout things. Um, I know a big point of con- of controversy was like there is Sprint in Infinite, um, which is like t- not something that was traditional. Like that was a very COD thing that they brought into the game. Yeah, that's not a Halo thing, um, right? Um, and there is sprint in this game, but it is like, it feels reasonable. Like I wasn't using it a ton. Like I, like you use it in big blank spaces, but if you get caught sprinting, you're, you're probably screwed. So like if you're even near danger, you're generally not sprinting. Um, I didn't feel like. Is Halo so floaty? My, my big memory of Halo is how floaty it was. Yeah. The jumps right? are still big, big and floaty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, it feels, it, it feels like I remember it and maybe I'm not remembering things right, but like, you know, the jumps still feel floaty. Uh, the, uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's definitely, there's still some launch pads. It's, this is also limited technical previews, so, like, we didn't get all the maps, but, um, it, feel, it feels halo to me. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the other big thing I did this week is I watched, um, uh, Dear Evan Hansen. Have you heard of this? 
Yes, I've yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You watch it in the theater? Yes, I did. Whoa. Did you, what did you think? Did you watch it? No, but I now want to because everybody's shitting on it. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't realize people were shitting on it. I don't know. I thought it was fine. People say it is the new cats, which I was like, how can anything be the new cats? Am I right? But um, uh, So I suspect that they, they digitally de-aged Ben Platt. I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but they had a couple of sh- long shots of his face. He's like 28 years old and he's supposed to be a high schooler. Um, do you know the rough plot of this movie? Like, Or at least the premise? All I have seen of this movie is... I don't know the premise outside of the trailer, which I saw in front of Shang-Chi. Did you see that same trailer? I did not. But I, I, will, I, will, okay. I will explain the premise to you and also for the benefit of the audience. So, Okay, sure, sure, sure. Our main character is Evan Hansen. Um, and uh, he is like a, a neurotic, very nerdy guy, right? Like I feel like people in our audience might identify with this. I may, maybe you wouldn't because you've always come as, – as long as I've known you, you've always been very confident and self-forward. Um, sure. Um, but for me, he was a character that I very much related to. I, like, he's medicated. I'm I'm not. But, like, you know, there's obviously there's, there's some stuff there. But, like, you know, very nervous type of guy. Um, and so as part of uh, – and, and uh, so as part of his therapy, he has to write letters to himself. Um, and kind of the inciting incident is – um, some this other character Connor, who's only in the who's only in the show. It's a Broadway show originally, um, for a very short period of time. Um, he he for plot reasons gets a copy of one of these letters, and then he goes and kills himself. Um, and the letter, dear Evan Hansen, is in his because he he the character writes addresses the letters to himself is in his pocket when he kills himself. So the guy who kills himself is also kind of like a misfit, but we don't see much of him. He just seems kind of violent. Um, uh, because the letter is in his pocket, he thinks that Evan Hansen, like the parents think that Evan Hansen is his best friend. Um, and uh, partially because he's nervous and partially because of the way the plot goes, he leans into the lie that he was his character's best friend. And the, and the show goes on from there. It's also a musical. Um, but like the first half of the movie, like, like the most of the movie for me is like, you know, it's, it's a very emotional movie. Um, like there were people crying in the audience while I was seeing like, like audibly crying. Wow. Right? Um, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, what is it? I said, the target demographic seems to be very female. Um, although, like I said, I think like nerdy people would, would find a, uh, a lot of stuff there. But for me, it was just like, most of the movie was like me on the verge of having a heart attack. Right. Cause it's like, <laughs> like, it's like, how is this going to resolve itself? Right. Like there's no way they let this movie resolve with him. Like maintaining this lie. It's like, Holy God, right? Like, how, like, and you just, like, see, watch him dig himself deeper into this. And it's like, you know, the songs are upbeat. It's a musical, right? Like, and it's like, how, I can't enjoy this music. Cause it's like, this is, like, <laughs> it's just getting worse. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I've, I've known that Dear Heaven Hansen was a very famous, you know, Broadway musical, right? Very well regarded. I think it won a gazillion Tonys, you know, like the, the year it came out. It's one of those things that, like, in the same way that, like, I heard about Hamilton way before I ever saw, like, anything Hamilton-related, right? Like, I was hearing people talk about Dear Evan Hansen a lot. Um, but I didn't know, you know, I didn't know anything more about the, the show um, than that. But, uh, but, yeah, apparently it is being resoundingly thrashed. For reasons that I have no clue about, because I haven't looked into it, I just see people memeing about it on Twitter a lot, which is good for them, I guess. Um, people say it's worse than Cats, which again, I'm just like, 
I, I don't. I, I should go explore this discourse. I don't under, like you know. It was fine. I hope right? you do. My my bet is here's here's my fundamental bet for this discourse. I don't think you can do a musical in a teen drama cinematographic shell, which is which is to say that like I don't think that you can shoot a musical in the same way that you can shoot. I want to say like super bad. Like what's like a teen drama movie? What are those John Green book movies called? Um, uh, one the of those Fault in our ones. Stars. The Fault in Our Stars. You can't shoot it the way that you shoot Fault in Our Stars. But I think that it is a very Fault in Our Stars story. So my my guess is completely apropos of nothing that whatever the director was, he shot this movie like Fault in Our Stars, and then there's music in it. And musicals are inherently cartoonish. They're inherently anti-diegetic, right? Like they break the fourth wall in a lot of awkward ways that that people find frustrating. So if you set up that movie like you set up Rocket Man, right, which is this kind of flight of fancy that will sometimes you know delve into sort of drama, right? But like for the big musical numbers, they are big bombastic mu musical numbers like you would expect. I think you could probably sell that. But my my guess is the the that is the thing that people are complaining about, and that the only in the only thing I have for that is the trailers looked like Fault in Our Stars really hardcore and didn't feature any of the songs <laughs> to the best of my not. Maybe there was like a song underlying it, but it's not like I ever saw a character fucking singing, right? So I, I sort of wonder if that might be like the core dissonance. I, it wouldn't surprise me if people just like didn't like, like, like the thing I'm identifying here, like just like really throws people off in terms of like, like, you know, part of the theme of this movie is like, you know, there are, like, you know, like, mental illness is a thing, right? Like, sure. And, like, there's a lot of kind of, like, mild, like, like you know, there's, like, you know, the fact that this is all, like, that the main character is kind of a terrible person, right? Like, and, you know, it's, like, you know, it's because he's nervous, right? Like, you know, which is, like, not quite fair to the movie, but, like, I could see somebody, like, pushing it in that direction. Also, like, you know... Like, just a lot, a lot of that stuff, right? Like, like it's got, like, this kind of, like, pretensions to, like you know, mental health awareness type stuff that, like, maybe doesn't jive with, like, the core plot so well. Sure. Um, yeah, I definitely also think that people have a harder time these days, it feels like. This is, like, the Thanos problem, right? Where Or, like, the, the Walter White problem, where people think of Walter as a hero because they kind of misunderstand like he's the protagonist these, but like yeah, yeah these interactions of he's the protagonist and he gives himself a justification therefore it's fine that he's poisoning children or whatever else right um you know this also happens i feel like with uh this happens the other way right like where like good characters who are having tough times people have a hard time like you know like something about i've been watching ted lasso recently People really like Ted Lasso. It is a good show. I'm having a great time with it. Um, but it's fundamentally a show about, right, like good people trying their best, right? Um, which in a sitcom -y kind of world reminds me a lot of like, uh, like, like uh, Parks and Rec is like this. But the thing that Parks and Rec does is it's good people trying their best in a kind of cartoonishly over the top universe that right. fucking hates them, right? That just invents ridiculous problems for them to solve constantly and that's sort of the sh the source of conflict right you know it is it is less anything kind of like real and more um these sort of like flights of fancy of just absolutely ridiculous townspeople that have absolutely ridiculous satirical demands of their of their you know city officials right um ted lasso is sort of the opposite of that which is that like this is a, a story of like good people who are trying their best 
at a very high stakes, you know, Ted Lasso is the story of an American football coach who gets hired to coach an English soccer team. Um, and that has very real and grounded drama of just soccer is fucking hard. You know, like, yeah, the game is hard and they are bad at it. And Ted is sort of set up to fail because he is uh, from these unfamiliar circumstances or whatever else. Right. So Um, quick question is is like the conceit that like somebody screwed up the word football or something. Like, I, I don't understand like why he got hired to. That that question is I don't want to spoil it. That question Wait. is answered in the very okay. first episode, um, and it kind of progresses from there, obviously, or whatever, right? Um, but I was going to make a point about Dear Evan Hansen with this. What was I fucking going to say? Uh, oh, right, but but um, one of the things that I think people are connecting with when it comes to Ted Lasso is just that kind of everybody in this cast is sort of like unironically a pretty good well-meaning person they might have damage they might have personality traits they might have some sort of you know like flaws but at the end of the day i kind of believe these are all good people and i feel like that is a that sort of like almost like moral simplicity is a little more appealing these days um in the cultural zeitgeist compared to uh more complicated or, uh, you know, like, I, like when I, if I think of Community, which is also very well liked, uh, liked, obviously, right? But, like, you know, like, Jeff Winger is pretty not a good person, and he does bad things. And it's fine in the in the sense of the overall show. And every, every character in there is like that, right? Like, you know, our Abed can be narcissistic. Troy is dumb, basically. Yeah. Pierce is just awful all around, right? Like Annie is too he has a stick up her butt. That like that, you know, like normal, normal like sitcom kind of problems. But I just sort of feel like those have fallen away a little bit. Um Yeah. I, I, just in like the culture, I guess. Yeah, I, I also think like the the movie or like the show does a a job to like convince you like like in the way that you would for something like this, that like the character is sympathetic in a lot of ways. Um I just I just know for me like it kind of like felt hard to reconcile this with like, like it's easy to see how he got where he got, but like reconciling it with what he actually does is just kind of like tough. Um, Also, Mm. so also to avoid spoilers, this movie has a different ending than the show. I went and looked up what the ending of the show was. Um, Ooh, maybe that's why everybody hates it. um, It might be just because of the way it resolves itself. Not that like, I don't know. Part of me also thinks that maybe nobody saw the show. Like, you know, very few people saw like saw the musical. Now I need now I need to see this movie. I have to talk about this. Yeah. We have to talk about this movie in more depth, maybe like in the back half of next week's podcast or something. I'll try it. I'll try and get into yeah. it. Well, so I we're we're gonna we're gonna you know just to like look at the future. We're obviously gonna be doing something because doesn't something come out this week? Is Venom, it Venom this Venom's, week? Venom's okay, week, yeah. Venom is this week. Oh God. I think something also came out last week, but I was, but it was a little bit more minor. Yeah, I don't think maybe it was Foundation, which is the Apple Plus show, okay. based on my favorite novel of all time, and I I'm too nervous to even watch it because I'm afraid they're gonna fuck it up. Oof. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't have Apple Plus, so I, I was not that was not on my radar. Yeah, I mean, I was so they 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 really got me on this one. Um, when I when I flew to uh, New England to hang out with you and everybody else they had the first two episodes of ted lasso on the um on the plane and so Uh, i watched the first two episodes and i was like got again you got me tim cook you dickhead you know like (laughs) and so i got my apple plus subscription so i could watch all the rest of the 
you know, all the rest of Ted Lasso. Um, and then I also watched Greyhound again, which I talked about last year. Greyhound, Greyhound is where I spent my free trial for Apple Plus, um, which was the Tom Hanks directed movie that is a World War II movie about like a group of destroyers escorting a merchant convoy across the North Atlantic and they're fighting like a, like a pack of German U-boats or whatever. Um, and it is so historically accurate to be unfun, but it kind of does the horseshoe theory thing of like, it goes so far around the unreal circle that it's actually fun again. Because once you understand, cause like, so, so a lot of that movie is about like plotting charts and courses, right? And like, yelling and like they teach you these sorts of things over the course of the movie where it's like he, he he's like hard rudder right and then the guy says hard rudder right and then he he spins a thing and he they they turn the boat and then it goes to a guy on a map who charts where the turn is going to make the boat face but they don't know where these fucking submarines are so they're trying to figure out it's like whoa what's the and the guy in the sonar is like listening to the blips and he's like i think i've got propeller screws and then he reads off a heading and then the captain goes hard runner left <laughs> you know like and, and that's legitimate drama or whatever but it's born entirely out of like the esoteric mechanics out of hunting submarines in a i don't know a 1942 destroyer i guess um anyway i don't know what the point of that was greyhound is a good movie go watch greyhound <laughs> <sighs> very good yeah i'll have to i'll have to check that out um yeah Otherwise, I, I think my next one is going to be Mythic Quest, which I am not excited for. I've heard good, Mythic, like, friend of the show Monic said it was good. I don't know. I have, I have, I don't know. Mythic Quest is very regularly talked about people in game dev circles as being like so real it hurts. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I felt like some a little bit about that about like uh, Silicon Valley. So I, I yeah, like yeah, that's what people have compared it to. It's like Silicon Valley, right? Like it's just like it like it hits too close to home, but it also is too good to not watch because it gets so much very right, you know. And I think in comparison to Free Guy and also Grandma's Boy, have you you've seen Grandma's Boy? I have right? not. Grandma's Boy is, like, famous. Every game developer I know has watched Grandma's Boy, like, a bunch of times. It's, like, famous, right? Um, because it is... I guess it's just one of the only movies that purports to be about game development, even though it is... Not. It, it's a comedy, right? Not. It's like a stoner yeah, comedy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a comedy, and it is completely ridiculous, and has nothing to do with reality, right? But the guy is theoretically a game developer. It's part of the main plot, right? Um, that he's, like, this, like, amazing, you know amazing game developer or whatever there are more movie more movies like that but this one came out in like 2006 and it features i guess like adam sandler's like random friends that nobody knows the name of so i don't know yeah um but yeah ted lasso is ted lasso is good but uh but i but i want to watch uh foundation because it is like I said, it's my favorite book of all time, and they've and nobody's ever done it. Nobody's ever made a foundation just, adaptation. Just the first one, or all, there's three books, right? Uh, there's actually like a gazillion books, but well, not a gazillion. I think there's maybe like I thought Foundation eight. had like three core books. The core trilogy, yeah, is okay. Foundation, Foundation and Empire, and Second Foundation, um, which are like that. Like that's like the core yeah, trilogy. Core, yeah, yeah. And by the time you get to Second Foundation, it is a pretty traditional novel. But the first two books are very episodic, um, which is something that I liked at the time, right? Like, the the, the core premise of Foundation is um, there is a science called psychohistory, which is this combination of psychology and sort of histori historiography, where 
this super scientist guy has figured out that he can predict the future because the more people that you can account for, the more predictable their behavior is, right? One person is individually really unpredictable, but hundreds of people are more predictable. Thousands of people are more predictable than that. And then, you know, you scale up to what is essentially a galactic empire, right? Um, and the whole future of this galactic empire is fundamentally predictable, right? He has predicted the future and the future that he has predicted, the guy's name is Harry Selden. The future that he has predicted is that the galactic empire he is a part of is going to collapse. It is on its way to collapse. And if nothing gets done about it, there is going to be 20,000 years of anarchy, essentially, where, like, the warring states of this galactic empire are, like, turning against themselves until a new one will sort of rise back to prosperity, right? But he has he has said that there is you can do a thing right where you make a colony on a far-flung world of all of these scientists and academics and thinkers and whatever else right and the existence of this colony will reduce that time of turmoil to a thousand years right so he's trying to convince the galactic government to like fund this encyclopedia Right. Um, and that's the foundation. The foundation is this group of like scientists and academics on like the edge of the universe. And very quickly, and everybody thinks Harry Seldon is a liar and it's not true, but they, they do this thing anyway. And very quickly, he's proven right. The Galactic Empire does fall and there's all this problem. You know, there's all these problems that show up. But the first book of Foundation is actually like six stories up across hundreds of years. Like it's like the first 200 years in the existence of the Foundation, right? And so it's tracking, like, all of these different characters who are in the Foundation because, like, it's at different time periods, right? Harry Seldon is actually only in the first couple of – he's the, – the, there's a prologue, right? He's, he's only in the prologue where he convinces, like, the, the people to form the Foundation and then he immediately dies. And the Foundation is left in the hands of these other characters. One of them is Halvor Sardin, which is – or, I'm sorry – Salvor Hardin, um, who's one of my favorite characters of all time. And he has these really great, he's really great, like, witticisms, right? One of the things he says, he, he, he's once accosted by a, um, a hyper-militant guy of the Empire who's trying to, like, commandeer the Foundation and their resources. And, uh, and the guy, like, raises his gun at Salvor Hardin, who's an, un who's an unarmed politician at this time. And he says, violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. It's the greatest moment. <laughs> it's a really awesome, badass moment. But anyway, I've wanted this my whole life, and I'm afraid it's going to suck because I don't really love the trailers. The trailers don't do a great job of this, and I think they're going to fuck it up. But it's if the, you know, people always say the right way to do something is to give it that massive Netflix show, HBO treatment, right? Like everyone always says this about like Warcraft, for instance. They're like, oh, Warcraft would make an excellent HBO. They should do the Arthas story as an HBO show. They should do The Last of Us as an HBO show, which is a thing. They're doing The Last of Us as an HBO show or whatever, right? So that's what they're doing on Apple Plus. It's probably the correct thing to do, but we'll see if they can pull it off, take like nine pages of prologue and stretch it across the entirety of the first season of the show, I guess. Who knows? Yeah, no, I mean, in a very, very similar vein, right? Like, I have just finished uh, God Emperor of Dune, um, <gasps> which, uh, you know, is not... If the reports are to, to be believed, um, the movie's just going to cover the first half of the first book. So, okay. Which makes sense, right? Like, a movie, I feel like you could do the first half of Dune and be fine. Um, uh, but, like, you know, 
like I think I said this the last time I talked about it, but God Emperor, I think God Emperor of Dune is the book that, um, that Frank Herbert wanted to write, and you to write three books of justification to get there to understand <laughs> what, what Leto Two is doing. Um, sure. Also has some pretty choice quotes, like um, the one that I've that has just been echoing in my head for is um, uh, it's uh, every rebel is a closeted aristocrat or a closet aristocrat. Um, <laughs> um, and this quote, there's like a there's like a twin quote, which is like, uh, and I'm not, I'm gonna screw this up. But it's like scratch conservative and find someone who's afraid of change. Scratch liberal and, and find a, uh, a closet aristocrat. It's like a very weirdly political book. Also, like I don't know how the politics like. There's some like some retrograde stuff in there, as you might expect, right? Like there's some like um, weirdly like I'm gonna call it retro futuristic views on on like homosexuality. Um, in that, like, <laughs> like the character, like, there's, like, a character who's, like, this is wrong, and there's another character who's, like, no, it's fine, because it allows, like, like, it allows soldiers to offset, offlet their, like, violence or something, right? It's, well, like, you know, like, you know, it's good, but for the wrong reasons, which is, like, uh, okay, that's, that's it. Yeah, I love that, you know, that's something that people commented about when it came to Game of Thrones, right, where, um... Because Game of Thrones is set in this like repressive medieval society, it gets to simultaneously engage in the sort of, you know, harsh reality of oppression, right? Like oppressing a homosexual person, but also the taboo of being homosexual in this repressive society or whatever. And so I yeah, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's it, weird. It's <laughs> interesting because like Leto has these like long screeds on like the what why people are the way they are and like I think part of this is why you needed three books to build up to it, because like, mm. Leto, like Leto is basically like a hyper autocratic fascist with like very long ranging goals. Um, that like the book kind of portrays as being va- like it, it's hard to, it's it's hard to sympathize with Leto, but like he's kind of the hero, and it's also kind of hard to sympathize with his, you know, great 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 grand niece who is like another part of the. Ex- She's like opposed to him, and like still also like it's it's a okay. It would not make sense from like a, just a straight reading point of view, right? Like you need you, well, fuck yeah. It's 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 good. It's good. Um, <laughs> uh, the only other thing I, I started reading to the bridge, which is a very real story. It's a piece of rep- it's basically a story report. Like it's like a it's reporting on like a real thing that happened in Port- it's Nancy Rommelman's book about um, a mother who. Um, threw her kids off a bridge in Portland, Oregon, and uh, one of them died, and the other ones managed to survive. And this examination of the circumstances that led to that happening, and it is incredibly um, sad. Um, and, uh, oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Very heavy. Well, all right then. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's well rep- it's it's well written. Um, I'm a fan of Nancy Rommelman's outside uh, outside of this, which is why I started reading it. Um, but yeah, uh, if you are interested in that kind of thing, um, you know, uh, I like it is sad, but it's not sad on the scale of like Dear Zachary, which is like my my yeah. which is my uh, my 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 touchstone for like things that I only watch if I'm in a particular mood, um, and I haven't watched that movie since the first time I watched it, um, <laughs> and I've never been in that mood again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, to the to the bridges is, is at the very least interesting, um, so I could recommend it on those grounds. Um, uh, but we we talked mostly about my week. But how's uh, how's your week been besides Greyhound God. and uh, Ted Lasso? Uh, you know, yeah, it's been honestly the hardest part of my week is 
finding something to do when I want to watch something. Because I always want to have something uh, occupying my hands. It's hard for me to, like, sit and, like, watch a thing outside of a movie theater um, these days. But um, I have been more or less, like, off wow, right? Like, I don't I don't want to say I'm bur- I have, like, some quarrels with the idea of being burned out on wow. I just feel like I have diminished... Like, my WoW playing has sort of, like, diminished in recent weeks. Um, so I don't want to play WoW. I do want to play Hearthstone. Um, but I specifically have been waiting for the Mercenaries update, which is this, like... It's a little bit of a gotcha, um, but it's kind of like... Um, it's sort of like those mobile games where it's like, you could play as Qui-Gon, or you could play as whatever. But it's just like, the you're playing as fucking Arthas and Karen Bloodhoof, or whatever. Um, but uh, after an initial reveal that was honestly bafflingly hard to comprehend, I actually really like Mercenaries. Mercenaries looks super fun. I have watched uh, the Hearthstone streamer Trump play a bunch of Mercenaries, and I'm like, this looks like a ton of fun, just to like sit and mindlessly grind while I'm, you know watching an episode of like Ted Lasso or whatever. And then the other thing I've been doing is playing a ton of Vermintide too. Uh, I don't know why we like really got into Vermintide after we, we were into it like a little bit, but I was like every night, like somebody pings that group chat and it's like, Hey guys, you want to fucking kill some rats? And it's like, yeah, dude. And um, honestly, it's been pretty great. Like integrating into the deeper Vermintide sort of like ecosystem um, has been a lot of fun, especially because I'm sort of doing the thing that I did with HOTS where, like, I'm ignoring the, you know, I'm just sort of playing what I think is fun. I don't really have a good sense of what is good gear and what is bad gear. Like, I'm getting gear all the time. Every time you complete a map, you get a chest, and that chest includes some gear, and, you know, it has a number. Sometimes that number is bigger than your other number. Do you equip it? Sure. Why not? Who cares, right? Like, that kind of a... Um, that kind of a thing. We have recently got into sort of their version of... It's funny. I almost think that the Vermintide devs are... It's like they're copying WoW. They have a version of Vermintide that's like Mythic Plus called Deeds, where you get these things and they have affixes on them and you play a regular mission, but it has these affixes on them, right? They have a thing that's like basically Torghast that they released earlier this year called Chaos Wastes, which is a roguelike mode where you're stripped of all of your power, right? You just walk in with weapons and you're getting this currency and you find these little upgrade stations and you upgrade and you get a better weapon and it gives you a little, you, you get these little, these little anima power things or whatever they're called, right? And you move through the map. It is better than Torghast for a couple of reasons I could go in depth on later. Um, or maybe on another podcast, I guess. Um, and they have this other thing called the weave which is also like mythic plus because it scales it scales up numerically right like you start at level one and you have a a a level one challenge game and then you get a lot and then you beat that you unlock level two you beat that you unlock level three you beat that you unlock level four and you just walk your way up these these levels or whatever um and it's like every time we turn a corner there's some new mechanic or game mode or something that's like oh oh fuck this is a lot of fun this is this is super fun. I'm really into it. Um, the weave basically has artifact weapons uh, because every time you do a match of the weave, you get a little bit of essence and then you pump your essence into your weapons and then your weapons do, you know, like this or that or whatever. And it's just like, it's all, it's a whole thing, but it's a good time. It's been, it's been fun. So Sounds I like don't know. It. Yeah. All right. Well, um, if you don't have anything else, I'll, I'll close this out then. I don't have anything else. All right. Well, if you'd like to email us what you think about any of the games, things we talked about on this podcast, whether it's WoW or uh, Dear Robin Hansen or Ted Lasso, you can email us at gmail.com or podcast.simdurspillgames.com. You can um, 
uh, follow us on twitch.tv slash games where these go live and you can ask it, you can comment in the audience if you if you still feel like it um, uh, we've got a Patreon we've got a YouTube we've got all sorts of everything um, I think that's everything I have buddy you have anything you want to promote I have nothing that I'm looking to promote well in that case until next time dear listeners until next time loyal listeners <laughs>